I think uh, last time we we started uh, Ecclesiastes, right? Mm-hmm. If it went to uh, the first couple of chapters, and it was like saying, no matter what you acquire, and no matter what you accomplish, without Christ, it'll end in futility. And uh, we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, and and I think uh, we see the weariness, the emptiness of a godless life, and the soul has all these struggles and. Uh, there are un- unsatisfactory solutions to the problems of the life that we live in. And I think it finally is going to come to the conclusion, especially in Ecclesiastes, where it says, Fear God and keep His commandments. <laughs> That's really what it's about. Uh, but um, we know that all is not vanity. Uh, if we know Christ, because we know, and we know that in Romans 8.28, all things work together for good to those who love Him, and they're called according to his purpose. So um, we get into the aspect of a time for everything and uh, what is the point of this description of time-oriented events? Well, I think what we look at it as believers in a sovereign God and a providential God in that he controls all events. And so there's no chance, there's no fate um, the idea is that he's controlling, but to um, I think to the unbeliever, when they look at this text that we look at tonight, uh, I think it challenges them because I think what they're seeking out is to be gods themselves. Whether they would say that or not is another thing. Some people have the boldness to say that, but uh, they, yeah, really. So, um, you know, they want to control. They want to control their lives. They want to control their own time and their their own destiny. And so we know as Christians that we have responsibility to our Maker, to our Creator. Um, I just thought, I'll just let it run. Is it distracting? Well, I was hoping maybe it would fit in somehow with what I'm talking about, and it probably does in some way, but uh, I can just show you. Well, I just asked if we were watching something tonight because it was on. No, I just like the pretty pictures that were coming up here. <laughs> wouldn't it be nice if I had some kind of background going there that would go along with, you know, it would it would oh, show yeah. time and and uh, it would show giving birth and the time to die and somebody planning. and so, You know, probably could have put something together like that. Oh, did they? Hey, there's a time to die. See? That's all, already right there. We, we can apply that. <laughs> See, we can, work, we can work that in somehow. <laughs> Um, what we saw last week, uh, the writer was looking at it from a human standpoint. Do you remember how he he termed it? Under the sun, uh, an earthly view. Uh, man wants to look for some, he's looking for some kind of peace, right? He's looking for some kind of enjoyment, some kind of security. They try different things and they try it in different ways, and uh, of course. Um, we, we look at the different varieties. Uh, you know, you have a climate, for instance. You have the sun. You have the wind. We had both of those today. Uh, you, you can have rain. You can have recurrences. Uh, time moves along, and boy, you know, oscillating from one event to another event. Each event, though, actually is playing its own role that God has designed. And that's what's incredible. God designs this uh, to be this way. 
So I guess the question that we want to uh, relate to is how do we relate to the time that has been allotted to us in this world, in this world of time, space, and matter? How does this all relate to us? Well, we know that in this text tonight that there's a time for every purpose. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. All right, now we get to adjust a little bit. Instead of looking at it the way that, and it was a very dim view, wasn't it? It was kind of depressing in the first two chapters, right? But in chapter 3, you're going to see under heaven, or in the sense of God's perspective, we see how man can look at life when he's tried everything and, and he sees and he realizes that it doesn't get it. Now, if we look at God's perspective, this whole scope, um, we're going to see that we live in a world of changes. And boy, does this world change. We have a God who doesn't change. He can't change. He is who He is. And He'll never change. But yet this world just changes constantly. And matter of fact, everybody that runs for office, they usually use that word. Change. change. <laughs> That's the problem. There's been too much change. But um, continually passing, repassing, uh, we've seen that. It was a cycle. It was an endless cycle. And that's really, um, I think, very pessimistic. A cycle that just turns and turns and turns. And it's a pessimistic Worldview when you look at realism and see what it really is. And, of course, we noted that there are many authors and many famous people who've taken their lives because it stretched out to the exact thing that they said it was. And that ultimately, they wanted control over their, their death, control over their life, death. They lived their lives in promiscuous ways and in just horrible ways, and then they wind up taking their lives or whatever, destroying themselves. Um, so uh, that's one thing. It's um, I think I can relate it to uh, the Eastern religions, uh, the Hinduism, uh, uh, where Buddhism says you finally reach nirvana, which is nothing. It's nothingness. <laughs> you finally get to the great point where you just are nothing. Right. It's floating out there. Or what is Hinduism? It's endless life, uh, death, you go into something else until you get it right, which means this could be billions and billions of years. Boy, that would be really depressing, wouldn't it? It's an endless cycle. Do you see what we're saying? It's cyclical. So you take that song, Turn, 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 which has this taken right out of here. Oh, I knew he, he had to know. So even today's modern music, I have no idea. Well, I grew up with this song. Okay. I think we all do. Most of us heard it probably except Avell then. So uh, anyway, but Nicholas heard it in his other life. The, the Hinduism because yeah. <laughs> it's before your time. Yeah, it's twenty, at least twenty or well, thirty years, probably before your time, wouldn't it? Yeah. One thing also, the thing with the Buddhism, they also believe that they just suffer in this world all the days of their life, like in with all things. So, like the clothes that they wear are the scratches. They don't, you know, when the sun's beaming down on them, they think that the more they suffer, the more they're loved. 
So that's one thing because I did some studying on that, and I have like a, a video documentary on Buddhist monks. Some of the stuff they do is pretty weird. They 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 think they have an answer there. Yeah. But I mean, they can do some pretty weird things, like knives. They can cut their fruit and vegetables on their stomach with these knives and not get cut. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, it's got to be something, but it's just strange. Right. Like, they do some pretty weird stuff, like spears that they have. They'll put them in like boards so you know they're sharp. And then they'll have them put the spears on them, and they'll basically press them in until the spears break. Uh, there's, some, there's some things happening there sometimes that yeah. makes you wonder, are a little supernatural yeah. from maybe the other side, yeah. possibly? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, some strange things going on. You look at all the the, the different religions and how they try to offer. You look at Ecclesiastes. This is really um, this is philosophy, isn't it? Right. I mean, but this is the philosophy that is absolute truth in everything that it that it's saying here. Um, and we know that the answer where where it's pointing. Um, we know that. Every change that concerns us, you know, the times, the seasons, and the way that it works out and the time that we are living, it's determined by a supreme power. The supreme power is, of course, the one almighty God. It's not our power that can change those things. We can't change the weather. We can't change the aspect of what our being is, you know, the all the different things. This is all appointed for us. And um, so hopefully this, this will help. But like I was saying, the, the turn, 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 the song has, this is a poem here, and it's just like they lifted it right out of out of Scripture. The only thing is, R.C. Sproul was talking about it, and I, I thought it was fascinating. He says, what they're doing when they're saying turn, 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 and that's not really in the Scripture, but almost the rest of the whole song is really right out of Ecclesiastes 3 here, where we're at. But he said, because of turn, 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 it's taking a cyclical view, which is what we saw in chapters 1 and 2. And I go, huh. Yeah, that's fascinating. They're still on that thinking of the way that man thinks, and so when you see a time to get birth, time to die, it's a cyclical thinking, rather than that thinking that we're talking about that's heading somewhere that is going towards the eternal perspective which is really um, it's not meaningless repetition in that cyclical view but it's going somewhere well they took it the, yeah they took it the way that they and, and you look in chapters 1 and 2 and Solomon would have taken that too Right. But at, by the time we get at the end of the book, we see him, and even in different places through Ecclesiastes, we see him taking a godly view. But for the most part, he's taking a view that mankind, by nature, is going to look at this world. After it's all said and done, if you've, if you've been able to try everything, and it, it's not the answer, and that's the way it'll always be. If you don't have Christ, you can try everything, and it's not going to satisfy you, ultimately. Might for a little bit, but it's not going to satisfy. So, the first two chapters was under the sun. In chapter 3 is under heaven. The godly, biblical, heavenly perspective from God's viewpoint. And so that's the difference between 
just a slight nuance, the, the way that Sproul was putting it, and I thought it was pretty fascinating. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, they might be taking that same cyclical view rather than the heavenly view, even though it is using Scripture, and I, I appreciate that. I'm glad that they, they use those passages. Anyway, why don't, we, uh, why don't we have a word with the Lord? Father, thank You for Your, uh, your truth. Thank You for who You are and uh, showing Yourself to us. For had You not done that, we would never know You. We would never know what this world is about, where we came from, who we are, where we're going. We would not know any of those answers. Even as basic as they seem to us, You have revealed those precious truths to us and then all the things that go on in life. So help us uh, understand here a little bit more of Your wisdom as Solomon uh, gives a view that there was really no hope the way that he would have had it had he continued to look at the way that it was. But yet your view, from the heavenly perspective, we see becomes very relevant to us as we are guided by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, there's... Uh, we. Why don't we go ahead and read this? It's just like reading a poem. Um, Verse 1, There is an appointed time for everything. Boy, what a way to start off. And there is a time for every event under heaven. Under heaven. Did you catch that? A time to give birth and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to throw stones, and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace, and a time to shun embracing. A time to search, and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep, and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart, and a time to sew together. A time to be silent, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. Deep stuff, isn't it? Um, There's a general principle here. To everything there is a season. There's an appointed time for everything. Um, I, I, the purpose is is always God's purpose. Um, the day will give place to night. The winter, the the cold weather will give place to warm weather, and the spring, and the summer, and then it'll give way to the fall, and then the winter, and then the cold. And uh, every purpose has its time. So, you know, in, in this time, it's February. Of course it's supposed to be cold. Right. <laughs> That's what he made. But every once in a while, he just kind of intervenes and gives us a little bit of, you know, hope by giving us some warm weather, and then boom, there comes some more cold weather. <laughs> That's right. And there's a time for sickness. <laughs> right. This is this is a healing time, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um Every purpose has its time. And time operates under God's 
a creative power, his fiat. He ordained the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets. You know, the stars are in their courses for the purpose of measuring off seasons, right? Uh, go Genesis uh, one fourteen. He gives he gives the sun, moon, the stars, all those for us. Uh, says, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. That's quite a gift, isn't it? Really is. He could have made just just one. Right. That's right. There's a good reason for that. Good purpose and the, the seasons that we have. Nice to have that. Um, he, he's an orderly God. And the orderliness of time, He has shown us that 24 hours a day, no matter what, it's always been there, hasn't it? As long as we've been around, it's always been that way. And and you have the months and you have the seasons. God shows that the Creator is a God of order. He created all things and He deemed them what? Good. He created it. He made it that way. And of course, you can think of, of things you know, in, in the... Um, Eternal nature, you can think of things in the universe, uh, be even beyond the universe. You can think of uh, invisibility. You can think of gravity, uh, the speed of light, uh, emotions, thought processes, uh, blood clotting, you know. All those things, I mean, this is, it's all a part of his time. He says, to everything there is a season, to, there's a time for every event. Uh, a set determined time. Everything will come into being and it will continue in whatever circumstances. All things have been or are or they shall be and that's because they were foreordained by God. We're getting into the sovereignty and the providence of God tonight. (laughs) He's determined the times before. They were appointed long before we can even imagine for their very being there, for their duration, however long they would last, all the way to the end of however long that event happens. Isn't that something? There's a lot to think about. I mean, you really just look at what events just take place from one month to another. If you write down all the events, you know, God had preordained those things to take place, whether they were good or bad. You know, it's funny, it's like, well, I'm going to have... I'm going to do this on this day. We're going to have a fundraiser. And you have that fundraiser. It's a really good fundraiser. And you're like, whoa, God ordained this a long time ago for this to take place because we just did it. Because here we are doing this, and then some, maybe somehow God had already preordained us to do this way before even I was born. <laughs> That's a lot. He's, he's in on it, isn't he? <clears throat> and he really cares. Well, you know, it's all in his power. It's a determined time for that that to be. It's uh, the appointed time, he says. All persons, all things, as a settled, fixed moment. And, of course, you think of this creation, this world. It did not exist at one time. It's never, it's never been... Uh, the world was not eternal in that it, it was always here. Uh, it was not formed by some kind of explosion of atoms, was it? Yeah. So you have the wisdom, you have the power of God, the world, the universe appeared whenever God ordained it to be. The will of God was in that. He fixed the time of its duration. 
he determined the rise and the height and declension of states, of nations, where, where they would where would come up, uh, certain periods, certain ages that have happened in this world. How about uh, the people in the church? And there's been uh, times that have been appointed for suffering, and there have been times appointed for flourishing circumstances. God is a God of variety, and it's uh, you know He is He's exciting. Um, it is, and knowing that He has it in control, I think. And I'm glad you said that because Solomon had gotten to the point and he still wasn't comfortable. And we saw those first two chapters. And it's like things go on and on. It's monotonous and it's tiring. It's wearisome. There's no hope. But if you know God and you know how He works, it's the other way around. It's not cyclical. Like, just like the way the loop and his son, he's got a confession. Like you said, it's time for suffering. You know, they're going through some hard times right now. But, you know, God has appointed this to be their time. And so knowing that God is a part of that and a part of our everyday life, and we go through times of, like, down decline where our spirits are just kind of low and things just keep on happening and so we're trying to get ahead, but we keep falling behind. It's like God has that, God has this moment for us. We're in His time still, and as long as we stay faithful and devoted, the time for for flourishing will come and as long as we stay true and faithful it will be an abundance. That, and that's that's what he wants us to do. Just remain <laughs> faithful even when that time oh. isn't comfortable. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because we know that he has something planned in this. I mean, he is uh, the grand designer. He's the weaver, isn't he? But we can't, sometimes we can't see, we don't know what he's doing at that right. time. That's the, the tricky part. Right. Like, man, I'm suffering right now. Why? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you have that overall view, knowing that, oh, yeah. you, you, you know, at the time it can be terrible. As a matter of fact, you can you can even you know almost forget about it. But at the same time, it's still weighing on us. We know that God's sovereign. Right. We know that He's going to provide what needs to be. And and to look at it the way that He looks is is the trick. Right. Uh, and, and so this chapter three, you know, right. look at things under heaven <laughs> rather than under the sun. So he gives a proof uh, and an illustration. God takes pleasure and delight in all this, you know. Uh, it's incredible. And then redeeming his people, he, you know, he, he already ordained for that to happen, redeems his people. He calls them in time and space, and it's called an effectual calling. Isn't that incredible? And then brings them into, to all the way to eternal glory. And that's what we know we're looking for. I mean, it's, it's all worth that. Um it changes here, but in heaven, there's an unchangeable state there. You know, the divine. Can you imagine his counsels changing? Oh, something threw that out of, I don't know what to do now. I'm going to have to change my plan. I'm glad, I'm glad God doesn't do that. He, you know, his plan is going just as he has had uh, always in mind to do. There's a time to uh, time to give birth, a time to die. Okay, there there we start. There's a time for every event under heaven, right? Well, and he starts right with coming into life, a time to be born. Well, I don't think anybody can argue with that. Matter of fact, I don't think there's hardly anybody that would go around saying that they had control over their birth. 
where they'd be born, who they'd be born from, you know, what family they'd be at. What's that? And who their parents would be. Who their parents Nobody had anything to do with that, did they? I think you changed my mind. And so even at, at the first birth, you know, God is, uh, he's, he did that. Uh, Acts 17.26. There you have Paul preaching at Athens and he goes to pagan idolaters and he speaks to them. He talks about this one creator God, the one who gives life and breath to all things. (laughs) And 26 he says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, the nations, where, where you would live, where you'd be born at. Um, isn't that incredible? All from the foundation of the world. We take that as, um, I think, something basic. I think we can take it for granted. But boy, when you think about it, we know this God and we know that this is not all by accident. And that's what the world is teaching now in their evolutionistic thought. Right. It's about him, right? We we know. We know there's there's a supreme power over us here. Born at a particular time, and we die at a particular time. That's hard for some people to adjust to and say, Well, I, yeah, God appointed me to live, you know, to be born, but I can't imagine where God would appoint a time for me to die. Well, you've got to be glad that there is death in the sense that you could keep on going and going and going. And and if your health doesn't get any better, and things in this world don't get any better, you know, let's say a thousand years, two thousand years pass, and you're still here in this sinful world. Three thousand years and four. <laughs> it just goes on. Uh, you know what? To God, there is no such thing as an untimely death. You ever heard of that phrase? He was, you know, he was he he died in in an untimely way. You know. When he when he when he should have shouldn't have died, you know, and, and you know we say that in in all in all senses, like uh, uh, I think in a human way, you know, we we don't. Yeah, I mean there there are people who die at a young age and it just came out of nowhere, and but yet God was in that, wasn't He? That's a hard one to figure. What's that? Suicide. Suicide. Even that, but yet it's still against God. Now, try, try, try to figure that one out. I, I've wrestled with that all my life, and I still haven't come to a conclusion on it. All I know is that if God wanted to make it stop, He could have, and He does. Uh, well, Zach Whitson, his uh, and Rebecca's brother, who was like, I don't know, 20 or late teens, he took a gun to his head. And was he 15? And of course, his his father had died not too long before that, and things weren't going his way. Um, so he took a gun to his head and and tried to blow his brains out. He lived. They took him to the hospital, and you're thinking, well, he's never going to have 
any thought processes, even if he does live, he's going to be a vegetable. It wasn't but a few weeks that he was out of the hospital and functioning like normal. And then they say in the testimony that right before they did, they asked God to intervene. And at that moment, somebody somewhere intervened. And from that intervention, they were saved. Like this one kid said that he was, he had the rope around his neck, he was on his chair, he was in his room, he just wanted it at all. And he said, God just intervened. And he steps off of the chair, he drops. One of his parents opens the door, sees him, cuts him down, and then takes him to the hospital, and he lives after that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's, that's kind of putting God to the test. Yeah. Yes, it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess, and in a sense, I guess, yeah, but also in a sense, if you never knew God to begin with, uh -huh. and then you just cry out for him, and then you, you know, you make the move, God intervenes, you now you have a reason to get to know God. Versus if you knew God and you were putting him to the test. Saying, I believe in you, but now you better stop me from killing myself or else, <laughs> or else I'm going to die. Yeah. And to me, I think those are two different situations, because um, one's a believer and one's not a believer. And, you know, I think God is going to hold that differently when... Uh, That's the eternity in his heart, you know, because he, he knew there was God, right. even if he didn't believe. Right. But it is a mystery, because believers do commit... Even believers do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and... How do you... This raises all sorts of questions. Why do I go to the doctor then? <laughs> my life is in his hands. Is, uh, why go to the doctor? Why take a pill that's supposed to make me better? Because... You know, because yeah. he also, if we abuse his good will to us, if he does, you know, give, and we don't, we also can just suffer from those things. We continue to live, but we live in with greater hardship or whatever else, too, though. Yeah, but then we think everything's preordained. We wouldn't have the scientists of the adult to make you feel better. But then we get it where it's so expensive, we can't afford it. I guess she knows everything, right? Yeah. And so the, he made somebody that could actually cure this. Yeah, that was their gift. Yeah. Right. I mean, there are religions that believe you don't go to the doctors when you get sick. I, how many of you heard that was, uh, the people denied their children any doctors because they believed, you know, that... There are people yeah. I know that you know, aren't Christians, and that makes them mad. People like that. But then, if you look in Proverbs, hmm. Proverbs 27 12, says the prudent sees danger and hides himself, but simple go on and suffer for it. And I always think of that. Yeah. In that proverb, that might be a misapplication of it. But I don't no, that's that. that's that's the idea of it. God gives us wisdom, yeah. and of course, He gifts people. And of course, I think in our time that we live in, um, I don't, I don't think there had been a time up until the, the last century where we had physicians with all the knowledge that they have, with all the equipment that they have, technology. 
Uh, why did he bring it at in this time and not have it before people's uh, longevity uh, as far as life is concerned? Years is, pro- is more now than it ever has been before. Uh, and there's the question, well, you know, it's, why didn't he have it back then? But I guess it's all part of the deal. But we, we can use wisdom and we can seek out all that that maybe we couldn't have before. Um, and what I think of that is like the verse where Jesus wins his hometown and he couldn't perform a miracle. Not because he wasn't, not because he didn't have the power to perform miracles, but because people had lack of faith. It says that because they lacked faith, he could not perform a miracle. Because anybody who Jesus performed a miracle on usually came up to him and asked him. And he gave it to anybody who asked. And just by him walking, people who had faith were healed. And I guess in that sense, like, the group of believers, or as a person who believes, you know, if you're really feeling sick, and you really don't have the funds or the ways to get the cure, you know, fasting and praying, God will answer those prayers because people have shown through their faith that their prayers have been answered. I was watching a kind of a documentary on this pastor, and his finger got cut off. And he went to the doctor, and before they had the surgery, where they could really put it back on, but he told them to sew it back on anyway. And they tried to convince him to just let it die. He said, no, I want my finger, because God will heal me. And so they put their finger back on him, and he kept believing that the Lord was going to heal his hand. And he fasted and he prayed, and he was in a service, and he started growing like a disease. Like, it started to rot and stuff, and he was still preaching and speaking, and he was waving his hand like this, and... He went like that once, and his finger flew off. <laughs> it hit a guy in a wheelchair who had been paralyzed from the waist down for many, many years. Wow. And the guy stands and flicks the finger off of him. And he's like, I'm healed. And the pastor's ah. finger was back. Like, it had never been there. The disease was gone. So, I guess in that way, God has answered his purpose. He was so faithful and so devoted and trusted in the Word of God. But I also believe that for some... Medicine is put there because you don't know. It could have been a, an answer. Somebody could have been faithful and devoted and be like, Lord, help me figure out how to conquer this disease. And the Lord gave them an answer and then they came out with this medicine. And then it was for those people who maybe didn't have faith in Jesus Christ, who, you know, who do go through pain and suffering so that they can receive medicine and then be thankful for that. Even though. Yeah. And, and and the whole thing is God heals I'll never say that he doesn't he right. certainly does and then there are other times where God does not heal right. and if we and, and we look in Ecclesiastes we, we see that and, and ultimately people are going to die right um, it's you know those those truths are still there but of course we want to use wisdom and do what he's he's given us here as we have this time on earth and whatever he's given us to do to be able to do in and uh, in that sense but um uh there again it's 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 amazing how god works in all this okay, just kind of go through it. time to plant time to uproot there's a time it, the principles are there okay you go and put seed in the ground you know it's time to do that then there's a time to harvest it makes sense agrarian society they knew that a time to kill uh he could be talking about war there um 
He doesn't sanction murder. We know that goes into Ten Commandments. There, but there's a, a, and that could be uh, killing diseases and such too. But uh, and but there's a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. And you can think of what happened to well the nation of Israel as God tore them down, gave them prophecies what would happen. They still remained disobedient, so He brought on. Um, war and he brought on time of killing and but yet there was a time to heal them back up he, he tore them down then builds them back up a time to weep and a time to laugh kind of reminds us of the James passage in it if if we're not mournful over our sin he says that's time to get serious that's what James is talking about he says there's a time to mourn when when we're grieving when somebody uh, is going through pain or uh, have passed away. Uh, there's there's that sense there, but also there's a, there is a time to laugh. He wants us to be uh, using that sense and that kind of joy and actually you know, showing it in laughter. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw stones and a time to gather stones. Throwing stones. Uh, I tried to get some uh, ideas from some people. I think. Uh, one of them said, uh, I think it was Matthew Henry, uh, to cast stones out of a field or vineyard where they're hurtful and to gather them together to make walls and fences. Okay, you know, um, build houses. You know, you can build it you know, with, with the stones. Uh, it could be understood both of throwing down buildings as the temple of uh, Jerusalem so that not one stone was left upon another, pouring out the stones of the sanctuary and of gathering them again, laying them on one another. Um, which is, you know, uh, maybe a, a thought there, but it's just breaking down, demolishing fortifications that were made of of stone, and then later God gives peace, a time to gather the stones together for the making of strongholds. <laughs> just different. A lot of these things can be taken a lot of different ways, but they're principles, though. You know, um, a time to embrace. You know, it, it could be a, a friend that that you haven't seen in a long time. It's a a faithful friend. But you come up with somebody maybe who was faithful at one time and they're unfaithful and they've turned uh, ungodly and, and they're saying things against God and such. It may not be a time to embrace that person. You know, <laughs> you know there, there's a time, a time to get. A time to get money. A time to, to get good bargains. A time to get good interest. Opportunities. You know, a wise man will seek those out. When he's in his prime, uh, a younger man is is in his money-making days and and to prosper and he runs uh, whatever business it is. Make hay when the sun uh, shines. There's a time to to get wisdom, but also there is a time that uh, you know people can lose. You know, to give up is lost. A time to keep. Uh, we have use for what we have got, right? But uh, sometimes um, it's a time to throw away, get rid of it. A time to tear apart or render, uh, rend garments. I think is the idea. Uh, to rend garments uh, back at their time was um, mourning and fasting. You know, they they would tear their garments, and then there's time to sew them up again. You can have great grief. And then you can sew it back up and then the grief is over at that time. Uh, a time to keep silent. And then a time to speak. 
time to maybe sometimes don't cast your pearl before the swine, but there's also the time to give glory to God, right? A time to love and a time to hate. A time to love um, free and cheerful and loving people in the way that we are in a godly way. We're always to do that, but um, maybe a pleasant time. There's a time to hate. Uh, um, Jesus said to what? Hate your father and your mother, brothers and sisters. I mean, if they keep you from God, you know, he's talking about a godly kind of hate, not a human type of hate. That's right. <laughs> it's about the sin, right? Mylon Lefevre had a song called that. Love God, hate sin. <laughs> Sums it up, doesn't it? Um, a time for war, a time for peace. And boy, in, in the Bible, you can sure see that happen constantly. Um, what are the inferences? that we get out of this. And when we look in verse 9, don't expect your portion in it. The good things are of no certainty. Don't expect everything to always be the same way. There, there is no continuance in everything. It will finally die out. It will quit. It will stop. Whatever. Uh, what profit has he that, that works then? What can a man promise himself from planning and building. Uh, it, he may not always reap from that. Uh, all our pains and care, it's a mutable nature. Things change. But the immutable counsel of God does not change. So we have times in our life that don't go the way that we would like, right? There's no certainty about anything except God, and He's in control, and He's going to do what's best. Uh, that's kind of the idea. Make use. Make right use of what God has given us. There, there's a lot of toil. There's a lot of trouble. But remember, He never intended this world to be our complete rest. Even Adam and Eve were not in glorification. Uh, before sin, they were in a um, a really good state of innocence, but it still wasn't glorification. Um, but he never, you know, he he doesn't want us to take an ease in this world. If everything went great and everything was comfortable, and he healed every disease that ever came along, and nobody should ever get sick and and die and all those things, we could just be comfortable here and not really have a desire for the things of God and the eternal state because everything is going good, and it doesn't, does it? If we really be honest, it doesn't come out the way that we would plan it. So that is the the first part. Well, what time is it? Ten till. Wow. Changes. That's that's about change. Things are going to change. Things are going good. Well, it could change. <laughs> but remember, always look at God's perspective, and all things can work out for good, right? It doesn't make change seem so bad. Right. Right. All this time he's talking about the futility of it all, and uh, uh, with this part after the time, after he observes of the times for everything, he says he has made everything appropriate in his time, and he's he's almost putting his thoughts into subjection and submission to God. It's like then now he changed it from under the sun, our view, to God's view. You know, it, it helps to uh, 
kind of let that those thoughts go. You're building this tower of thoughts, and it's like knocking down because mm-hmm. it doesn't get you anywhere. You know? <laughs> or you don't know the right. end or the result. Yeah, and and it, it helps to you know be a child and not and to not be a man and think that you know it all and that really nothing amounts to anything. It's better to lower yourself. I think James said something yeah. like that, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Humble yourselves in the presence of God mm-hmm. and he'll exalt you. Yeah. And I think the writer here is is getting some understanding as he goes along. Yeah. But he's still, you know, a lot of times looking at the way that man looks at it. Well, let's read 11 through 15. And this section's called The Hand of God. He has made, and you just read it, He has made everything appropriate. And that's a good word. R.C. Sproul said there's one word that can sum up this whole chapter. Appropriate. There's, a, there's an appropriate time for everything, right? He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set, and I love this section, set eternity in their heart. Yet, so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. I know that there is nothing better for them to than to rejoice and to do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor, it is a gift of God. I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there is nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear Him. That which is, has been already, and that which will be, has already been. For God seeks what has passed by. Here's a hand of God. And I think the first thought here is we must make the best of what is. We have seen what the changes, right? We've seen what changes there are out there in the world. But believe it that whatever where you're at right now, believe it, it's best for the present and we are to accommodate ourselves to God's will in this sense using wisdom. Um, Solomon, I think, is, is really showing the hand of God. Boy, I mean, he's just putting the answer up there now. You know, despite all the changes, uh, and all creatures have that change, if we have our eyes upon Him, it's so simple. Everything is as God made it. Everything is... Uh, uh, he's, he's appointed it to be. Not as appears to us, but he appointed it, and he made it beautiful in his time. You know, there's a translation um, that that deals with everything is beautiful in his time. He made everything. That's how everything is beautiful in his time. He made everything. And why did he make it? For his pleasure and for his glory. And everything is done in his providence. He not only created, but he upholds everything. He sustains everything. That's the providential dealings of, of God. I mean, studying the providence of God is, I think, just amazing as much as the miracles of God. Providence is just using the natural things of the world and how He makes things happen when we would never have done it. That never even thought of all the things that can come out of what happens in certain situations. Some things are done immediately by Him. You ever notice that? Boom. Takes care of it. Other times he uses instruments. He uses people. He uses different ways. He per- or he just permits things sometimes. Uh, 
Uh, he does things completely by himself, or he does it by others. He uses people, circumstances, the situations. Sometimes he suffers it to be done. You know, it's it's definitely not something. You know, he doesn't. He never makes anybody sin. And to see a sinful world and everything and all the things that are in it, you know, he's, you know, in a human sense, he suffers through that. Even though God is a God that doesn't have the kind of suffering that we do, but yet he's part of this in that sense. But it's all beauty. It's harmony. It's it goes beyond our our human finite minds. He orders things. He disposes of things. He rules things in His purpose. Everything is done in the time that He has ordained in the way that He wills. Well, that's getting a big view of God, isn't it? He said, he said something earlier about making the best of it. And, uh, Ephesians 5, 15, uh, 15 through 16. He There you go. That's that's a great verse. That is a, a great reference because that ties right in. That's what we're, we live in evil times. What an opportunity that we have. <laughs> that now that sounds contradictory, right. but no, it isn't because God has ordained that there would be evil. Right. Now I'm not saying that He participates in it. I'm not saying that He causes it or wants us to be that. That's against His will. But yet, in ordaining is different than participating or making people. But, and I don't, how many people really understand that? I mean, if he wanted to keep sin from happening, he could have. I mean, that's like a common backlash that I get from people who don't believe is like, why, why is there sin? Evil and right. why is there sin? Where do they get the idea of evil? How do they know it's evil and right. sinful then? And I, and I turn around and I tell them, I say, well, you know, I think everybody can agree that in order to have evil you need to have good so if you look at it Satan is the evil that needed to be created and Jesus Christ is the good that needed to be there because there needed to be a counterbalance because God you cannot argue or fight with God neither can Satan so therefore there must be an earthly man who is of God who is Jesus Christ who is almost like you would almost consider them equal in the sense that the good and the evil are always at war. But because good is good and it lives for eternity, evil is evil and will suffer for eternity because God's not going to just destroy Satan. He's not going to vanquish him or wipe him as if he never existed. He's got eternal damnation and eternal punishment and the lake of fire is awaiting him. That will be his end and anybody who follows Christ, their end will be not an end but it will be eternal happiness and joy. So, in that sense, it's they're both eternal, and you still have good and evil, but evil will cease to exist, in, but it will live in hell or in the lake of fire. Will not be present with right. and with God and His it people. Will be so far out there, and it's like that's why there's two, because you have a choice to choose one or the other. Both lead to eternity, and so I don't remember where I was going with that. Well, eternity. <laughs> you headed for eternity. Well, he said eternity in their hearts. God has done that. You know, and the poem is about time. And now he brings this eternal aspect in. Um, humans are bound by time, right? 
but this one guy by the name of Estes said, we're bound by time, but yet we're wired for eternity. Uh, I think all people know that there has to be some kind of meaning somewhere in this. It's got to be better than this. There's something there that that is there for even unbelievers. Uh, it's more than just vain toil. Looking at the first two chapters that Solomon wrote, it's, it's got to be more than this. And when you when you think of the word eternity, you know you think. Um, I think there's a thought. You know, we know that the, the nature of man is evil and wicked and such. But yet, the thought of, in a, in a natural sense. People still know what's right and wrong, don't they? There's still a law that's still kind of written on their their conscience, their heart. Um, not that their goodness is going to get them to heaven, but um, you know, even atheists really know that there's something out there that's bigger than them. Uh, the thought of God is it's just even you know when you when you see the the movie stars and it's kind of funny sometimes they'll bring up you know so, you know God this God that and they probably don't even have a relationship with him who knows but you know they'll they'll throw some things out there and um, it, but yet people will take something that is sweet and make it bitter or you know they'll call evil good and good, evil. But yet at the same time, you know, it, it's just like there's a consciousness up there uh, of an eternal aspect. You know, everybody has, even John Lennon, who just wrote a horrible song in its words, the, the, the music was really good, but imagine that there's no heaven, that there's no God. That's really what he's saying. The guy, but he knew what the world was presenting, but he wanted to go against this Great God, and act like, yeah, because he could do anything that he wanted, and yet he knew. Wouldn't it be great if we could take this idea of God and heaven and hell and all that, just take it out, and everything, everybody be all at peace and have flowers around us and everything. <laughs> but even in him, wouldn't you say there was some kind of eternity? He he put it in his own mind. He, that's idolatry, because he took what was true, and, and actually it is. There is something better. It is. It's where God lives. It is heaven, is what he's talking about. But he said, imagine there's no heaven. Yeah. You know, what do you have? I can imagine it, because probably afraid of that it's true. But let's pretend like it doesn't exist. That way we can live our lives full of sin and shame and never feel the need to repent. Because we don't have anybody to answer to. And that's the problem. And I think that is what is there. And that's why people don't like God. Because there's enough in their uh, eternity in their heart. There's enough there. uh, You know, you've always heard about a God-shaped vacuum, you know. But uh, until they have Christ, they still can't come to that. Right. Right. What was that? <laughs> yeah, well, Augustine said something like that, too. Really? Yeah. I think probably a lot of people said those. Well, there's a song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that was a popular song. That's right. Yeah. That was fun. 
Were they a Christian group? Yeah. There's a Christian group, right? Yeah. yeah, I thought so. Yeah. Um, boy, actually, it's it's eight o'clock. I I think. Wouldn't you think that most people are after some kind of perfection? You know, I mean, everybody thinks, you know, that wouldn't it be great? Because even man at his best, even with all the tools that he has, they say still can't draw a straight line, even though it looks straight. But if you were to measure that off, I mean, but man wants, there's a, there's always perfection, something better, you know, a perfect goodness. They want a perfect goodness, but they don't want that perfect goodness that God is. They want another perfect goodness, right? But I think people know what a, 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 a capacity for the infinite would be. They can't have a perfect goodness because then it, they would fail. Because then right. The but they have an unsatisfied desire. They're seeking after something that will make them content. And they can't ever get there. There's something there that they're after. They don't know what it is. An abs- there's an absolute goodness an absolute perfect wisdom and all that they wind up is with is uh an endless disappointment so the preacher there this solomon um i believe in his day he learned that it was possible to satisfy the hunger for eternity and and we see him honing in on this in this this chapter 3 that um I think he had once had that, and he had lost track and sense of it, and um, then he started getting that blessing of of the answer of this, a loving providence which uh, makes his home in in your in your life, and make it fit for him. It, you know, if we if 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 we were made for this world to spend eternity, it hasn't been working out very good. But God didn't intend it to be that way. If man's home is so little fit for him, then that's why God can then also say, seek the city which has foundations. I think the only joy that one can have is like Solomon is, I think, trying to get to um, is Christ, Christ alone. I think this is as far as we're going to get tonight. I think we took it to about verse 15. Somewhere around that. Have to wait with patience in this world. This is like living the life, isn't it? And getting the real truth of it all. And it's not all so rosy, but that's okay, because it's not supposed to be. Time and season, and God has that for us to appreciate. Then we take it that way, then we can take pain, you know, and that's one of the things that I don't want. I don't want pain, but even pain can be a gift. Even sorrow can be a good thing, because there is a time to mourn. But there is a time to laugh. God has a, a really good balance. Most of the time, it does go along pretty good as we survive, but it, it, this sure gives answers to what goes on in our lives in an everyday thing when, you know, you go through only so many days where everything goes right. 
there's always going to be something that's not going right. But it's okay. It's all right. But that's why people are so much in turmoil. If they don't have this answer, it can drive them crazy, and it does. And that's why people do waste their lives. They get depressed. That's why they, they take drugs, overdose, take drugs for years, mess up their minds, mess up their thinking, drinking. You know, all those are substitutes that don't get it. That people want to live in a in a life that just covers up life. Trying to fill the hole. Fill the yeah, hole. Right. Only one answer to that, isn't there? It's too true. Well, there's only one writer. Only one? It's exactly. I think I think the writer here is is coming to that conclusion. <laughs> Absolutely right. That's why Christianity is so narrow to to those other religions. It can't fit in with the Muslim religion, and it can't fit in with any of the any of the Eastern religions. No religions. It, it can't fit into any of those. That makes it all comfortable then, doesn't it? I don't like that part, so. <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. What did Paul say to the Ephesians as he met the, met the elders? He said that he did not fail to teach the whole counsel of God, rather than the cherry picking thing. He taught it all. And what we're looking at here, Ecclesiastes, that's a tough book to tackle and for a, a tough thing for people to sit and read and listen to. It's hard. It's hard to understand. But through the Holy Spirit, it, it, it is very basic, though, too. I think that's one of my favorite things to hear. It's just kind of nice to hear how meaningless everything is. And then how great... You know, the glory of God. Because, I mean, you know, like in military, you know, they they got to break down the new recruits. They have to break them. Mm-hmm. And then they have to rebuild them. Because they have to break them so that all who they thought they were is no more so that they can make what they need right. instead of what the person wants to be while they're there. And, you know, I think that's kind of what Ecclesiastes does. It just breaks down us in this world and everything in it 
that's what Christ continually does in us. Right. He just breaks us down, right. breaks us down, so we understand more and more well, yeah. how much we need and who's really in control. Right. Good thought there. That's right. This is basic training. <laughs> He's breaking us down. And I think he definitely brought Solomon down after it was all said and done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening and thank you for your people and just coming together and uh, talking about your word and uh, learning from it. And it's so practical. It's This is life as we live here we don't want to live just under the sun but under heaven under heaven's rule under your will and realize where it's all coming about and really what life is all about and when we see that lord then it's it sure makes a lot more sense when we do have to tackle the hard things and help us to submit to your rule and your reign even when it doesn't seem right, it doesn't seem feasible, it doesn't seem possible. And yet we know that you're always there and your will is to, will be done. In your son's name, amen. I have a phrase. Oh.